This is your host today, Super Vegan Brian. Hindu Anthony and Special Mikey could not make it today, but it is not just me. I have our occasional co-host, Kersey Smurf Erica. Hola. And we have a very special guest today, Matt Kerbel, who will be known on the podcast as Senior Kerbel. Senor. Senor. The oh. least Spanish Senor person Senor you'll Senor ever be. Pronunciation correction. Coral Bull. I'm sure. calling you Coral Bull from now on. You the are a bull out of coral. Yeah, the, uh, the underwater matador or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. I put all sorts of good mental pictures in my mind. I'm going to integrate that into my next Pathfinder campaign. I shall be forever immortalized as that one NPC that everybody goes, what? When <laughs> they talk to <laughs> Matt. Um, give us a quick introduction of yourself. Who are you? How do we know you? Why are you here? And what makes you nerdy? All right. So uh, my name is Matt Kerbel. That's actually how it's pronounced. But, you know, nobody's ever said it right the entirety of my life. So go nuts, however you want to. I met Erica about this is three years ago at this point. First job out of college working at Verizon. I was uh, like a deer in the headlights and Erica kind of took me under her wing. And uh, I am here now only because I was asked and because I enjoy video games and gaming and nerdy stuff way too much. So at any given point when I am not doing adult required things like working or whatever, you could probably find me on my computer. I hope that qualifies me to be nerdy enough to be on the podcast which I am super grateful for. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it took way too long. It's been an entire year since I mentioned it to you. More, more yeah, or less, yeah. No, no, like exactly. Less, like exactly, yeah. Tomorrow's <laughs> my anniversary. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. It, it, mm -hmm. Wow. Time flies when uh, I, I haven't been doing anything important, so that's really no excuse. Time flies when Twitch is open. You're not wrong. I met Matt when the three of us went to Kings Island in Ohio. We spent the majority of our time talking about the Hearthstone streamers we like. And I immediately thought, this guy's great. And when we started the podcast, he was one of the first people I thought to have on. And then Erica reminded me because I got busy. A year later, here I am, and I'm still super entrenched in Hearthstone, which is a ton of fun. Today we brought Matt on. We're going to talk about lore. So we're going to talk about lore in video games, board games, etc. But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You? What's Nerdy With You is a game we play on every podcast where we all share the nerdiest thing we did this week, and at the end, we vote on who had the nerdiest thing. We have a very special way of voting, and we'll explain that at the end after everyone has shared their nerdy thing. As our guest, Matt, you get to share first. What was nerdy with you this week? All right. I'm honored to go first. It's actually pretty good that you mentioned Hearthstone at the beginning because my nerdy thing this week was actually related to Hearthstone. I've been playing since the beta in like 2012 or something, and I just now finally got 500 wins with Warlock. So I got the golden hero portrait. That was a lot of fun. And the last, I don't know, 40 or so wins came from a deck that has no business winning any games, let alone 40 games. <laughs> I don't know how much you've been keeping up with it lately. Not the, the most recent one, but the last expansion, Journey to Un 
Goro and introduced quests for the different classes. And the Warlock quest was regarded as, I think, the second worst one out of all of them. And uh, it's basically you discard, you have to discard cards from your hand to get a reward that's a little underpowered. So I made it my quest with the new expansion that just launched Knights of the Frozen Throne to make that deck work. So I have created a deck that revolves around a bad mechanic with cards that are mediocre and have still been ranking up. So that is the nerdiest thing that I have done this week. It's funny that you say, I don't know how long you've been keeping up because I haven't played Hearthstone since the adventure before the last adventure came out, but I watch streamers on it every single day. You know, that's what I've seen a lot of people when it comes to that. They either get burnt out or they get tired of the RNG and they're just, you know, I'm done with it. But there are enough enjoyable people in the community and the game itself is entertaining to watch, even though they don't play it themselves or or people that have never played. They'll still take the time to watch the streams just because it's it's fun and, and entertaining and interactive. So I was just getting dangerously addicted. Yeah, I may or may not have spent a hundred and something dollars on the last yeah, expansion, that's, but that's sort of what happened to me too. I got dangerously addicted, and you're playing Hearthstone now, aren't you, Erica? Well, Matt convinced me to download Hearthstone and to start. And I haven't quite got through the tutorial yet. However, I do have to say, in regards to Matt's nerdy thing, what I get from that story is one of two things. Either the people you played sucked that bad, or you are much better than you think you are if you can win with a crappy deck. That's all I'm saying. You can win with a crappy deck. (laughs) <laughs> you can uh, a little bit of both, I guess, would be my 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 guess. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of the wins did come right after the um, right after the expansion hit, and everybody was trying out everything. But I mean, I was just playing yesterday, and I was on a five game win streak against uh, Jade Druid, which again, if anybody's listening and, and knows Hearthstone, is basically the about seventy percent of what the ladder is right now. Yeah, everybody's playing Jade Druid to the point where it's probably going to accelerate the release process so it eventually goes off of standard because people are getting sick of it. it, We're, what, a week or two into the expansion, and Skulking Geist is in every deck, and Quest Mage is a thing again, so... Who knows? Maybe we'll maybe somebody will come up with something interesting. But until then, it's uh, Druid Stone, Druid, Druid Stone, Druids of Druidcraft. (laughs) I'm just happy that Hunter's viable again. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's still more viable than uh, than some of the other classes. But I think that I think that there are decks with every class that are at least decent. Before Frozen Frozen Throne came out, you, you basically couldn't play Warlock. Through the entire Angoro, Warlock was just useless, and now it's yeah. come back. Yeah, there's they have this weird list that runs Tainted Zealot and a bunch of demons, and I've actually that's the deck that I have the best win rate against with my discard Warlock. So we all know who the superior uh, theory crafter and deck builder is in this scenario. <laughs> Erica, I, yes. I can't wait to hear what was nerdy with you this week. Well, let let me start by giving an update from last week's nerdiness. I got my Nuka-Cola refrigerator, and it works, and it works super well. Matt helped me set it up at work. Um, So, yes, there was that. But that was not the nerdiest thing I did this week. The nerdiest thing I did this week was, and you're going to be super surprised, Bri, is last night I rented and watched it again from the beginning to the end because we had talked about it. Right. <laughs> By myself at night while my husband while my husband was at work. Well those expl- that explains the texts. <laughs> yeah, that explains the texts at night. Yeah. 
Yeah, Matt. So, yeah, I watched it because Matt and I are going to go see the new one, and I'm going to scream and cry in his shoulder, most likely. I wanted to be able to cinematically compare them. And it had been such a long time since I had watched it, despite my absolute fear of clowns and everything, I decided that I had to watch it again so that I could compare them correctly. So that's that was my nerdy thing. I am so tempted to buy a ticket to Ohio. I have Matt's phone number. <laughs> we, can, okay. we can coordinate this. This would yeah. be fun. <laughs> show up, show up after you guys do, and just come in in a in a clown suit. <laughs> uh, don't worry i'll only laugh to myself in private after it's all no, over the, the better thing to do would probably just to inflate a balloon and then just let the balloon drift towards her seat <laughs> or better or better yet that same balloon just have it uh have it outside of her house and just like have it go slightly up to the bedroom window and just like throw a rock on there what is going oh uh, well i need to go uh change my bed laundry now (laughs) (laughs) i I think rusty has guns i need to be careful (laughs) yes we'll we'll, we'll clue him in we'll be fine (laughs) we'll just wear the hunt you know the hunting orange to make sure that we don't get shot he can shoot the (laughs) balloon all he want but do you think my husband would let you guys terrify me yeah. I don't know, maybe. Mm, that's 50-50. I don't know either. <laughs> if, if I came up with a plan that he was cool with, I think I can pull this off. Probably. Erica was actually present when I pulled the best prank I've ever pulled. But which one? When I snuck up on our friend in the movies for Dawn of the Dead. You helped me set it up. <laughs> yes, that was great. <laughs> oh. uh, that was so fantastic. We want, we want, I remember, hey, the, so in San Jacinto, there was that low lying area that always get gathered the fog, like in front of the alternative school or whatever. Yeah. And I always tried to come up, not this Matt, uh, my, my husband, my previous husband, Matt. Thanks, honey. We, <laughs> we were trying so hard to come up with a way to get Daniel there in the middle of the night and have Matt like laying down in the fog and do his zombie impression and scare the fuck out of Daniel. But we were afraid that that Daniel might kill Matt because of the amount of weapons he always had on him. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of those situations we could we couldn't exactly figure out how to pull it off. Well, I think I proved that he completely freezes in the face of a zombie. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Matt. You you weren't aware. Uh, Daniel's a old friend and my first husband, Matt, that you know about. So just he Daniel's terrified of zombies, and it's that's, really funny. Kind of like I'm all right. <laughs> well, I mean, at least his sphere is a little bit more fantastical, whereas you have to worry about you know the fun and merriment that you might find at a five year old's birthday party, giving you night terrors or something. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, Brian has an even more real fear than even clowns. Are you going to tell him, Brian? Oh, the yeah. door has been opened. I'm terrified of dead animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like super terrified of yeah. dead animals. It's embarrassing because I know it's irrational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, When I was a kid, um, my dad and I were walking down the street and there was a dead deer and it was dead. I mean, its brains were hanging out of its head and its guts were hanging Ooh. out of its body. And my dad literally said, don't be afraid. It can't hurt you. And we walked by it and it goes, Mah! 
and gets up and screams and drags itself into the woods, dragging a trail of guts and blood. And lifelong trauma. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my dad's my dad's telling me, oh, I guess it was still alive and it went into the forest to die, and we can hear it crying in the woods. Oh, that's that's, that's definite just wonderful. Trauma. Okay, yeah, no, down. that 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 really works. I mean, you know, uh I would say that had that not been such a real experience, that would be a really interesting way to start a horror story <laughs> about about it, kind of combining the, the, the two fears that we've been talking about, zombies and dead animals. Instead of human zombies, why not animal zombies? Pet cemetery! More I or less, yeah. Thought of, I immediately thought of zombievers. <laughs> Zombie beavers? Yeah, there's nope. a movie. I did not know this. Yes. Oh my god, that sounds really funny. <laughs> and there are certain people that see that title loaded up and get immediately disappointed because it's not where their mind went. Ew. <laughs> Let me also say I was not one of those people, but I thought it funny. So what was nerdy with me this week is... Hey, hey, that's my job. Okay, go ahead. So Brian, what was nerdy with you this week? What was nerdy with me this week was um, I got the... Starfinder core rulebook. I pretty much is, read is that the entire an RPG? Thing. Yeah, it's oh, oh, so you don't know about Starfinder? I, it's I probably didn't. good because I can explain it to the guests. So Pathfinder is the fantasy role playing game created by Paizo, and Starfinder is the brand new sci fi role playing game released by Paizo. D and D in space. Yes, it's based in the same campaign setting as Pathfinder, except it's. Millions of years in the future, thousands of years in the future, Galarian, the planet in Pathfinder, has disappeared. Nobody knows what happened to it because there's a gap. There's like an unknown amount of time gap in people's memory where Absalom Station appeared instead of Galarian, and nobody knows what happened. Dun, and dun. you start playing 317 years after the gap. Um, All right. I actually, that sounds super interesting. Yeah, yeah, that does sound interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. The basis of the game is anything you want sci-fi. It's capable of pulling off any genre. You can play like a Star Wars style game. You can play like a Warhammer 40K style game. You can play, you can stay on a planet and play cyberpunk like Shadowrun. You can play survival horror, uh, like Dead Space type thing. There's a whole planet of undead. Really? Yeah, there's a planet that they were constantly trying to conquer other planets and they detonated a weapon that irradiated the entire planet and a small enclave survived in a in a bunker and um, used magic to make them all undead. And now the planet is entirely populated by undead. So you have this like inhabitable, uninhabitable planet that's run by people who can survive. Sounds an awful lot like Plague Marines. And I am so on board. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds pretty awesome. There's the Cult of the Devourer, which worships like the black hole that's going to eat the universe. There's a god called Triune, which is the it is the combination of three godlike artificial intelligence that gave the gift of drift technology to the to the pact worlds. So people can basically Triune revealed that there's another plane called the drift and you can use the only thing that can pierce it is technology. Magic can't enter it. So you can use it to travel faster than light. It's the only faster than light travel available. Wow. The catch is every time you travel through the, dr the drift, it p 
peels a part of another plane into itself. So there's a chance that you could encounter planar beings like demons, angels, stuff like that in the drift. So every time you travel through the drift, there's a small a random encounter chance. That sounds like a lot of fun. So you could you could take your starship through the drift and all of a sudden there's a demon inside your starship. No big Matt, deal. I think we need to get on board with this. I say once we finish this, uh, the Ravenloft campaign, that would definitely be something to look into. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to talk to sold, Brent about it. I already sold Amoeba on it. You sold Amoeba on it? Okay. Yeah, she's she's making her character. How? Are you helping her? No. I told her, but there's rules and stuff. She goes, I don't need them. I'm making it. It'll only take me an hour. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She is so crazy. Yeah, she's going to make a Lashinta. Yeah, Do you know what a Lashinta is? Yeah, explain. Because I don't. Yeah, they're humans. They're humanoid aliens with antennae coming out of their foreheads. They basically look like humans with antennae coming out of their foreheads. And they have so telepathic mantis? ability. Like mantis, yeah. Okay, okay. They actually, I didn't even think of that. They look exactly like mantis. Yeah, the... I, I could go on on Starfinder forever. We should. I, I was going to do a Patreon thing where I went a little bit deep into the review on the game, but I, I actually sounds like a general audience thing. So maybe we should do an episode on that because it there's just so many cool things in it that I can be like, cool thing. Let's talk about it. Cool thing. Let's talk about it over and over again. There's a new class list, a new race list, uh, a whole lore thing. Like I said, you could play any sci-fi game you can imagine. They have a whole list of it's got. I'm gonna have to see if two, Epic Loot has it. it there's got to the be over 200 inspirations listed in the back of the book for things they use to design the game. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. the The first adventure is out. The monster book's not out yet. Okay. Okay. So you, there's nothing you can really play yet. You can play the first adventure because all the monsters okay. are in it. Um, they put full stat blocks for all the monsters. It's called. Um, it's part of the Dead Sun's adventure path as Escape from Ab- Absalom Station. And one of the things they did that was pretty cool, different than Pathfinder is, okay. the adventure paths are much shorter. So you can play it in like one, two, or three game sessions. Nice. Yeah. Is- the, the adventure paths are much shorter. It's like they're they're much more digestible. You could actually finish the whole thing. You know, and you, you know, Matt, I think this is really good because uh, Rusty wanted to play. Um, what do you want to play? Shadowrun. Shadowrun. And I feel like this is probably a good. Yeah, this is a this is definitely something that I think is going to appeal to everybody in the group. I think it'd be really an interesting difference from what we've been playing. Not that what we've been playing hasn't been awesome. I still love the fact that in our current campaign, I was able to to basically decapitate the the crocodile from Lake Placid. That was fun, more or less <laughs> in one turn too, which was great. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds super interesting. I've always been really into the sci-fi bit. Yeah, no, def- definitely gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, I'll text Brent and be like, so this Starfinder, w- w- what is this all about? I'm sure he <laughs> played it at Gen Con. Oh, I'm sure he did. So, all yeah, right. So now we're going to vote. They released it at Gen Con. No, hold on real quick. I want to tell you this. Okay, okay. They released it at Gen Con and they sold out on Thursday. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. That that's crazy. Impressive. Yeah. They, I got it at my friendly local game, gaming store, SoCal Games and Comics. Um, and everyone there is really excited about it. So I'll probably go there and play something or run something at some point. Well, we're not in SoCal, so our local store is Epic Loot. Yeah, I need to start including that in our list of 
friendly local gaming stores for our locations because that's an awesome place too. Yeah, it is. It's like incredible. And when I when I, I uh, love it. when I move up to Portland, I'll be including Guardian Games on that list because that place is amazing. Okay, you've already found your game store. Wow, look at you go. All right, do your job, Erica. All right, so now we're going to vote. And the way it works is we all get widgets. We have four widgets each because we, there's one per host, and then you get an extra one, so there's no ties. And, Matt, you get to assign your widgets appropriately to who you think has the nerdy things. All right, so we each get four, and I get to distribute them however I want, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, so actually, I'm going to have to say, Brian, that Starfinder, that sounds awesome, and I'm super pumped to start looking into playing that. So I'm going to say that that gets, oh, let's say uh, three widgets, three of my four, and uh, I am a little selfish, and I've been trying to get this Golden Warlock for a long time, so I'm going to give one to myself. <laughs> You're only a fourth of a terrible person. Hey, you know what? It's That's that's about right. That's That's what I've been working with. Erica, you're up. All right. So I do think this star finder sounds amazing. And uh, I don't know anything about Hearthstone, but I know Matt is super pumped about it. So I love that he was able to do something amazing. Um, However, I watched it by myself at night without my husband here. The whole thing. So I'm giving all my widgets to me. Because I'm a completely terrible person. (laughs) Wow. I felt bad giving myself one. (laughs) Well, I'm going to be the epitome of selfless person because I'm going to give all four of mine to Erica. Yeah. All right. I see how it goes. Well, I I never made it to 100. I got to give you props for that. I'm just not going to give you any widgets. Fair. (laughs) So I win. Yay. Well, I felt bad that you di- didn't win last week, but you didn't have the nerdiest thing last week. No, I didn't. Yeah, you, it was amazing, and you should have won, but you got beat. This week, you you played your A-game and did something that I never expected you to do. That's right. That's right. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> the nerdiest slash bravest thing of the That's week. That's right. I, I won because I am brave. <laughs> yeah, we're going to escalate it over time until Erica thinks the only way she can win is if she visits a clown college. <laughs> I'll bring my camera. <laughs> oh, all make right. Make my ringtone now. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> oh, must be Erica calling. I can hear her screaming in terror. <laughs> We're going to be talking about lore today. What that is, is we're going to be talking about the background stories in games, tabletop role playing games, video games, board games even have lore. And we wanted to talk about like how how lore affects gameplay and enjoyability of games. And then like after that, we'll talk about some of our favorite lore in games and how that affected the games or the the games we didn't like the lore in. So, um, Matt, what does lore mean to you when you're playing a game? So I think that lore is really the way that a game can go beyond the scope of what you're playing, because obviously 
you know, depending on if it's if it's a if it's a tabletop game like an RPG, the lore behind it is really what builds the world because you're not you don't have graphics, you don't have a board to build on. And then in video games, there's only so much that that you can cram in there without you know losing sight of the main focus or, or taking away from gameplay and things. So I really think that lore is an integral part to to any sort of of type of game to allow you know to to add depth, to add richness, and and really I think that that's uh, a lot of times the the deciding factor that pushes a game from being good and enjoyable to something that is memorable, something that you want to go back to playing uh, something else that is a classic. I think that that's lore is really the thing that pushes it over the edge. I, I have to agree. I have to agree. So lore, you know, unless it's not fleshed out, it's not worth playing in, in lore, whether it's, you know, lore that's created, like, wow, created its own lore, you, using ideas from other, you know, fables and things like that. It doesn't even have to be that. It's taking things we're already, we already know, uh, Russian folklore and, you know, stuff like leprechauns and pixies and elves and, um, you know, and not just fantasy, you know, there, there's, you know, aliens at this point are lore even though i think they're real uh <laughs> aliens at this point are lore and it's that type of thing building around it that immerses you i've always told uh brian and uh and rusty that i don't play video games like to be like oh i beat this video game i play it because of the richness of the world the story i want to know the story so you're saying that lore is like, it isn't just like where the game is based. It's a combination of the theme of the game, the story of the game, and the characters portrayed, as well as the history provided in whatever game you're playing. Yeah. So so when you're thinking uh, about lore in, in a broad concept, um, we're really talking about archetypes. So you can have mythical creatures and you can have, you know, folklore creatures and stuff like that. Or you can build a game. So let's go with a Star Wars, right? It's based on a movie, but that movie is based on an archetype. You know, you've got the protagonist and the antagonist. You've got the trickster, you know, and those are all the different types of lore archetypes that create a story. And if you don't have those in balance, then you're not going to have a good story. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize this was going to happen. But as we're talking about it, it seems very similar to the conversation that we had with Mike about mythology that you weren't there for because he mentioned that exact same thing where there's archetypes in the game that come from mythology. So mythology mm -hmm. isn't the same thing as lore, but they go hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're very closely related. It just uh, depends on each situation. But yeah, they're very closely related in in a lot of people don't realize, you know, OK, for instance, uh, when Brent was on and he was talking about how much he dislikes Josh Sweden and he has a formula and he does the same thing over and over. That formula is actually based on the archetypes of a story. So, like, the most popular stories in the world always have the same type of characters. We can even talk about how Game of Thrones has those characters, you know? You have Jon Snow, who is our protagonist. Yeah, sure, 
Danny might be a protagonist, but Jon Snow is the protagonist for for everybody. That's who everybody's rooting for. You know, you have the antagonist, Cersei. You, they're, they're, every good story follows these exact things. And it's the same thing for games. Every good game has these same elements to it because it is the building blocks of our society. It's the building blocks of story as we know it. From, you know, just verbal tales that have passed on, um, you know, from person to person till we were able to write the stuff down. So it's very important. Now, lore isn't necessarily necessary. Like you can have a fun game that has no lore associated with it. Like um, there are tons of platformers that people really like that don't have lore. But when you think of something like Meat Boy, have you ever heard of Meat Boy? Super no. Meat Boy. <laughs> I guess Matt has. It's, it's, it was a ton of fun. We actually, in college, we would play, we would uh, be at, at, this is how nerdy we were in college. Instead of having house parties, we'd all gather at a, at a friend's house. We'd, we'd have a few drinks and um, we'd pass the controller around on the TV and see so you could go the longest without dying. Um, I think the average run was about eight seconds, but <laughs> I love Super, I love me some Super Meat Boy. But the, like the difference between Meat Boy and a generic platformer is Meat Boy has a little bit of a story behind it and it has some evocative characters. Right, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about it. A game doesn't need lore, but it uh, if if done properly, and that's that's one thing that I want to revisit. But if done properly, adding in that, you know, that that richness, that backstory, it, it takes a game from from being good to being great. Uh, you've got all sorts of different games, you know, that that are, are easy, easily played. You're, they're fun, but they're forgettable. And then you get one that even even just a little sprinkling of lore uh, can really can really make it make the difference. One one game that I think really comes to mind um, is, uh, is a little uh, I don't know if it would be considered an indie game at this point, just because of how popular it's become. Um, but FTL faster than light on steam it's a roguelike where you're you're piloting this this spit this cruiser through different different uh, uh regions of space trying to get back to the federation to uh stop this this rebel uprising and you get little bits of lore from the the different stops that you have in the game and the different characters that you meet uh and it's not a lot but it's enough to make you want to go back and play it over and over again that's one of those things that i think that if you compare uh, a game to like a sandwich for example you can have the gameplay is the bread and the graphics or the meat and then you get the the controls and the the different customization options as as the cheese and you can eat that sandwich and it's going to be fine but the lore is really the condiments it's what makes it tastier than what it would be just the core components and i know it's a really dumb comparison but i think it's very apt are, are you hungry matt because <laughs> I, mean, I, I think you might be hungry <laughs> i mean it, it, it is noon when we're recording this so i am delaying lunch just i just want to throw that out there this selfless act of discussing video games that I enjoy is, is delaying food. No, on the, and on the flip side, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, good lore can make a game great, but if done poorly, lore is, it, it can really detract and, and kind of hinder the experience. Have you guys ever seen anything an example, like that? Yeah. Like the, uh, the newest Thief game that came out, uh, this was a probably a year or two ago um oh yeah it it was just it was an all right game i mean the mechanics were meh it had a little bit of stealth a little bit of combat and things like that but what it did is it kind of 
backtracked on the the different things that the original games had portrayed. It was Thief was originally just this kind of stealth based uh, assassiny type game, and then this one made him into that standard stereotypical gruff protagonist, just kind of sort of deal. And that that really detracted from the world building that they tried to do, and it, it just didn't didn't mesh properly. And and that took a game that could have been all right, and it just it took it down a notch. And I really I was really disappointed with that because some of the the original Thief games were great because of uh, the mystery and the symbolism and the way that they presented the game and the characters. Uh, They just they just missed the mark on it. When you were talking earlier, you used some gaming terminology we've never used on the podcast before. What exactly is a roguelike? You mentioned that earlier. Oh, so a roguelike is a game where it Simply put, if you if you die, you have to start all over. So FTL is one of the big ones. Rogue Legacy is a side scroller, dungeon crawler sort of game. But basically, it it involves procedurally generated worlds. So when you're playing, it's kind of made up as they go. They've the engine has a bunch of different presets that you can have and when you enter the next room or the next dungeon or the next fast travel point it kind of makes it up as it goes when you die you're 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 done your character's done you have to start the whole thing over again and that really that in and of itself adds some um some richness to to gameplay and allows you to do a little bit of lore crafting on your own because uh, going back to ftl if you can name your characters um you can customize where they go. You can build your own little story uh, as you're playing along based on the events that happen. You know, you lose one of your crew members in a, a solar flare that sets one of your rooms on fire and he just couldn't make it out in time so that the next time you play, you get a character from that same race and they might you could make it up in your head saying that that's your original crew member's son who's following in his father's footsteps. And that just adds that extra layer of enjoyment to the game, whether or not it's it's incorporated into the actual design itself or it allow you know, the game that you're playing allows you to build on on its world that it's already presented. Yeah, you mentioned not being able to to save. I do not like games that I cannot save. I am a chronic saver. Like every time I do anything, I save it. And I don't save over another save. I create a different save in case I want to go back to that point and then play off and branch off somewhere else. Like in Fallout, I think I had like 37 different saves from different points in which I could go back and change the whole story of what I was doing. Like you're talking about like bad lore. There's some games that are great. Like they're lore themselves are great. I We all know I'm a big uh, fan of Fallout, but I'm not going to discuss Fallout. I'm going to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Have you guys heard or played this game? I've, I've heard about it. I've heard some good things, but I haven't had a chance to really see what it is yet, so I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes. I haven't heard <laughs> anything about it. Alright, so Horizon Zero Dawn is a PlayStation 4 game. Chris wanted a PS4 for his birthday. Rusty, sorry. Rusty wanted a a uh, PS4 for his birthday, got it for him. He got Uncharted with it, like just blew through Uncharted. And so I got him Horizon Zero Dawn because he asked for it. Horizon Zero Dawn is a really, I don't know if it's, it's unique to me in, in, in the story. And I'm not that far in it. So I don't know how the story changes, but this is what makes a good game to me. So Horizon Zero Dawn, the world moved forward. We had robots, robots took over, something happened. The world essentially like the society imploded and we are back to caveman days. So, 
with that, the there the animals in the world, like there are dinosaurs, but the dinosaurs are machines. They are leftover remnants from when like technology was was it's super advanced and there are places in the world that you aren't supposed to go because you know they were they were from they're the, called the old places and they're dangerous and it's all this technology and your character is essentially a barbarian you know she's wearing furs and there's no armor and you make your own arrows and stuff like that and you've got to find the weak places on the machines to take them down and then you use their parts to create more things and you are trying to survive in this world but you're also an outcast of society because the society is no longer a patriarchal society is a matriarchal society and you were found with no mother and because you have no mother you are not allowed to be part of the tribe so you're an outcast it's a different dynamic not it just in the t- archetypes but it's a different dynamic in the lore of the world because in a lot of games like the more technology you have the more magic you have you know that makes you stronger in this world that's what makes you weaker you have to find ways around that and i think that's what i really like i really like it's, it's just kind of flipped on its head that's one of the things that's interesting about lore because this is a game that if you strip the lore you wouldn't even have a game it's completely exactly. based around it mm-hmm. exactly it is it's completely based around it and that's what i love those are the kinds of games i love the games you know i'm i'm definitely an rpg player because i want i want the story i want it fleshed out i want to learn what's going on in the world I, and that's one of the things i liked about the first mass effect it was different than anything else i had played you had these different creatures you know different aliens you had to interact with them how you interact created this that changed the story and mass effect has kept that going all the way through andromeda which i which i also love it's how you position your story and i think that can make or break a game with that being said there are really good games that don't have any lore or minimal lore and Matt and I play Overwatch and there are backstories to the characters but there's not an overarching like huge thing for the gameplay itself. For the gameplay itself, you go in, you fight each other, one team wins or one team gets the objective and you just keep doing the same thing over and over. There is no story that continues to be built and I think that's what makes it so great is it's got just enough flavor for it to be fun, but not so much that you're entrenched in the story itself. What do you think, Matt? And I'm actually really happy you brought up Overwatch because that was going to be one of the games that I wanted to talk about next because there are snippets in the game. You know, you get certain voice lines and certain character interactions between between different playable characters. You know, Anna and Reinhardt, they have a couple voice lines that imply that they've known each other for a long time or when uh, uh, Reaper and 76 talk to each other, things like that. Uh, and then you get you get to see the uh, the maps. You know, you have there are little posters and Easter eggs on there. But Overwatch is a really, I think, unique game in that most of its lore actually exists outside of the game. Um, and I think it was a really interesting thing that Blizzard did when designing this is that there is a there is a huge backstory with this game, but it's not necessary to play it. Uh, all of or the, enjoy all, it, yeah, it, exactly, yeah. So you've got. 
you've got the Omnic crisis that happens 20 years before the game, you know, where all the robots become sentient and start uh, trying to rebel against society. And then Overwatch is formed and you've got these characters. You've got Jack Morrison and you've got Angela Ziegler and you've got Wilhelm, uh, Wilhelm Re- Reinhardt Wilhelm, I think. They're all these bastions of defense against the robot uprising. They form Overwatch. Bastion. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But none of this none of this story is in the game. The only way that you're going to find out about a lot of this stuff is Blizzard released animated shorts. Uh, they've released comics. They've got little teasers on their website. But the only things that are actually inside the game are just kind of the remnants, the the after effects of all of this lore. The game in and of itself is really great. I mean, they've just introduced new characters. They're always introducing new maps. And, and it's a fun experience. We won't talk about matchmaking because that's always a point of contention with any multiplayer game. They've made a game that has great lore that also doesn't need it. And I think that that it's a really unique circumstance and i don't know if you guys have watched any of these shorts or read any of these well, comics you, you know see. i have right but i don't know if have brian have you kept up with any of this or, or i or? haven't played the game yet but i will be soon because i finally just got a new video card that i can reading up on the lore and some of the news associated with the game now let me make sure i get the name right which character is the one who is a competitive gamer oh diva diva there are social groups that have taken up diva as a as a master Scott. Yeah, they and actually there are. are yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's in South Korea. There are, are um, I think they're female esports organizations that have kind of, of taken Diva as they as a an inspiration and a mascot to make headway into what has tra- traditionally been a very, very male dominated field. And it's not it's not necessarily even one that's been around that long, but just that. You know, when you think of video games, traditionally speaking, you think of guys and there there's this group of women in South Korea that are like, we've got, you know, they're one of our favorite games has a professional gamer and we we love games. Why can't we be like her? And I, that's amazing. I think that's it's, awesome. It's um, a South Korean women's group called the National Diva Association. That's great. And they <laughs> it, it, it's exactly what you say. It's it's pushing for to galvanize female identifying and gender queer gamers and it's self-empowering them to be able to involved in a very male dominated sport. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, a very male dominated sports. We, we can talk about uh, uh, I mean, just the podcast, but there's three male hosts and one female occasional co-host. You know, it's it's not that we don't exist. It's that we don't you don't think of women as gamers usually. It's something that that we're kind of taught as a guy thing. You know, it's it's not a girl thing, and you know those gender stereotypes. So I th- I, I think that's amazing. I want to make it very clear that the entire reason that it's three white guys on a podcast is just because we happen to be friends and we started a podcast. There was no conspiracy. <laughs> I didn't think there was a conspiracy. That, that's not what I'm saying. It, I just want to make it clear. And it the did. Fact- Sound a little accusatory, yeah. And, okay, okay. And the fact I was that not we made, being accusatory. I was saying and the that fact the that we made cheer. Erica. Well, hold on. The fact that we made Kirsty Smurf Erica an occasional co-host had to do with scheduling, not with yeah. gender. <laughs> I didn't think. Oh my God, you guys are totally taking what I said out of context. All right, what I was saying is stop that being, stop the being ratio. such a snowflake. Oh, shut your face. <laughs> Besides, if you get enough snowflakes together, you get an avalanche. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> I want to let our listeners know that I'm not that big of a jerk. 
Yeah, he's not. He's except with Erica. No, that's not true. Well, okay, maybe, but friends and family are the exception. Yes, yes, and you're short. (laughs) Yes, I am short, and you are clumsy. Yep, I'm not going to (laughs) argue that. What were we talking about again? Uh, Diva Uh, uh, and (laughs) Overwatch, and I think actually, kind of going back to that a little bit. You know, a game is really, really good, or at least its lore is is impactful when you get a fictional character that inspires real world change. So (laughs) I think that that's that's yeah. Absolutely. That, I, I, mean, I think what they did was cool because uh, for a lot of people who don't know, Overwatch, the concept started as a single player game with a story. And then they changed it before they released it to a multiplayer only game. Right. What was I, it I called originally? Probably, I don't know. I, yeah, no, because um, actually I was watching a video uh, for one of my favorite YouTube channels and they were talking about how uh, <laughs> they were talking about when it was released. Reaper in Overwatch was just super he was supposed to be the quote unquote badass, but it's all ironic now because the only the only people that uh, in in their opinion that thought Reaper were cool were like the edgy twelve year olds. <laughs> and uh, but what but when the original game was being developed, it was in the like late two thousand like two thousand seven ish is what I think when they started on they were working on it for m- so many years. Wow. And how uh, how when that was a thing, Lincoln Park wasn't an uh, wasn't an unironic reference. They were actually a big they were a big band, and um, oh, you know, the, all which which you know, <laughs> in recent memory, they're they're in the news again, but for worse reasons. But how Reaper back in the day would have been cool, and if this a game had been released in that 2005 to 2009 time frame, you'd see people at sports bars now with like an unironic reaper tattoo on their thigh or calf or something (laughs) so i think that that's it's it's interesting to see how much of a difference you know uh, the development cycle and the time of release can actually impact what the thought process is on certain characters because if you let's take take any um you know any of the like horizon zero dawn like you were talking about take the take that where you're a, a female protagonist and it's a matriarchal society and release it 20 years ago, probably not going to get as well received as it was today. Oh, no, not at not at all. Yeah, absolutely. You're correct. Do you know what I just thought of? I know we're talking about video games, but in, in talking about lore and, and archetypes and stuff like that, have either of you seen Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. Yep. So... That is a perfect example of what there is to create a story. And not just a horror story, which was the premise of that movie. But you that's what they look for. You know, you've got the the hero, you've got, you know, the the princess, you've got the mentor, you got the every kind of guy, you got the innocent person, and then of course you've got the villain. And and I think just like in movies for video games that are that are more fleshed out story wise, you have to have those pieces in there. I have to say that I kind of want to see the flip side of some of these things. For instance, Mass Effect. So Mass have either of you played Mass Effect Andromeda? I have never played any Mass Effect. Okay. I've played the first two. I haven't played three or Andromeda. I just know about the controversy with the animations on Andromeda. Whatever, it was fine. Andromeda is a great game. All right, so so Mass Effect, you have all these different alien species, and then you've got like one bad guy, um, alien species. I want to see the flip side of that. I want to see the flip side from the 
quote unquote bad guy alien perspective in a game. Like you've got these people. It, the whole idea with Andromeda is we're going to to colonize Andromeda because basically the Milky Way sucks at this point. You've got all these races working together against this one bad guy alien race. Who I can't curl the curl or something like that. I can't remember. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. And I want to see the flip side in lore from that type of thing because those types of games are becoming more popular. We're keeping the same archetypes, but playing a game from the a game from the bad guys perspective are becoming more popular. What do you think, Bry? What what do you what do you think you have like a, a game that has some really good lore in it? Well, I wanted to take the subject over to board games. I played this game called Time Stories. Oh yeah, you told me about this. Yeah. I played this game called Time Stories and the basic structure of the game, the lore is you play members of a group that have a time machine and you go back in time to fix anomalies. And that's just a very basic lore. But the game has expansions and each game has a whole different lore set. So the process of the game is you're going back in time and inhabiting the bodies of people in history, quantum leap style. For example, the expansion it comes with you're going back to a insane asylum to solve this anomaly. But when you go back in time and take over these people, you also get their personality and their abilities. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this game is it's a board game and we all we all listened to the lore and we all picked our characters and all of a sudden we're all role playing and nobody discussed that. Nobody said we're going to play in character through the whole game. It was just so well presented with that with that structure that we're like talking to each other and having conversations in character as if the game was a role playing game, but it's a board game. So I think that's like the perfect example of lore well presented in a game. And the neat thing about a game like that is each expansion has a different set of lore because you're taking over the bodies of other people. So you would have a completely different experience playing it two or three times. And that's what sounds great about it to me is just the way you've all you've explained to me, I think this is the third time we've talked about it, is that you are just kind of entrenched in trying to solve it. Because you said, like, you can't write anything down, right? Yeah, so the, the structure of the game is, is you're exploring rooms. And I don't know if it changes for each expansion, because I've only played the one. You have a deck of cards that's the rooms of the place. You have a deck of cards that's a story. And then you have a deck of cards that's things you find. And then each person has a card that's their character that tells you, like, what your personality is and what you do with, like, a teeny, 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 tiny bit of backstory. Just enough to give you a seed. That And that sounds great because I, I don't see how you could play that game without role-playing that game. You know what I mean? It was just neat how... Four people come to play this game, and then we all started role-playing, and nobody had said, we're going to play this game in character. Everybody just jumped to the same conclusion. And it never says in the description of the game, this is more fun if you play in character. It's just the way the game is made, that was the conclusion everybody jumped to independently. You play the game by, every time you explore a room, you put location cards from that room off the deck. So the deck has to be in a certain order. You, you, you go through the deck to find the, the location that you're in. And like, let's say a room has four cards. You lay out the cards next to each other on the board. And the cards next to each other create a panoramic picture of that room. Each card is a different location within that room. And on the turn, 
everyone picks a place of that room to explore. Then the, during the exploration phase, each person who went into a part of the room, or if two people went into the room together, go away from each other and read the card. Then you can go back and you have to put the card back down face down and you can explain to the rest of the room what you saw, but you can't read off the card and you can't take notes. So See, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, there's a bit of memorization involved. And so you go through each room one at a time until you finally get to the end. There's a lot of there's a puzzle element to the game. And then you need information you found in your investigation to solve the mystery. If you run at a time, which there's uh, time tokens for when you do certain things, you use up time tokens. If you run at a time, you loop back to the beginning. So let's say going through the whole thing takes about an hour and you fail. You then go back to the beginning of the game with whatever information you had, but you lose all the equipment and stuff you found along the way. So you have to remember what you did and then doing it a second time might be a little faster. And then if you fail, you do it a third time. And I think the limit is like five. I mean, you can play the game for about six to eight hours. That sounds like a lot of fun. What do you think, Matt? Oh, yeah. No, that, so that sounds like a really interesting thing. And, and kind of going back to the beginning when you said that everybody just kind of jumped into character. I think that's really the cor quote unquote correct way to play that, because if you're just sitting there going, OK, my character goes in and he finds this, that and the other, it, it doesn't make it fun. But when you actually get in immersed in the type of game, especially when you're you're not able to just read the cards off. You know, it it makes it seem like you're actually there. You're actually doing the actions that your that your characters are are doing in the game, and it, it just adds it adds that layer of fun that I've been kind of repeating myself the whole time <laughs> with with lore. I've, I'm now noticing that there's a a theme behind what I'm talking about, but I think I think that the the lore of any game is really important just because it adds to the fun. And at the end of the day, that's what games are supposed to be. They're they're enjoyment, they're entertainment. They're supposed to be fun. And anything oh, that I think it, oh, you know, it's, it's is that is that what they're supposed to be, Matt? I mean, just, you, t just you ask, fun? well, you ask people on Twitch and they make a lot of money doing the same thing over and over. They might not be having as much fun. But for the, <laughs> the layperson like all of us here, when we sit down to play, you know, play a game of D&D &D or something. Yeah, the, the point is to have fun, surprisingly enough. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying because you and I had a conversation the other day about Hearthstone. And I was like, well, I would just play, you know, for fun to see like, like I wouldn't build a deck. I would just be like, oh, look at all this craziness. Let's see what I can do. And you're like, no, well, I, no, I want to win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There is a difference between playing a like a board game or a story driven single player game and a multiplayer game, I think. Uh, and Brian, it sounds like you might have something to add on this. Yeah. Or, or a card game. Or, yeah, absolutely a card game. But talking about fun. In, so, like, for example, if we talk about a game, let's say Skyrim, for example, or, or more recently, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And that is a single player game that you have the freedom to do pretty much anything that you want at any time. And you can go and you can explore and you can, you know, you can do all the side quests. You can take eight hours to find every pine cone. You know, you can you can do that. When you're talking about a competitive game, at least for me, part of the fun is 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 in winning. So I think there's a difference in in terms of, you know, what type of game that you're playing. Uh, it really it really does make a difference, whether it's a single player game or if it's a, a multiplayer uh, competitive game, it's part of the fun is winning. But again, it also is enjoying the experience. 
I'm an experienced kind of person. I actually don't care if I win or lose. So it, it's just one of those things where I'm I'm there to play, to have fun. And I think lore for me really develops that for me because I play a game for the story or I play a game to play with friends. Like, like when we play Overwatch, you know, I, I really enjoy playing with you because I'm playing with my friends. And now that Brian's going to get it, we can all play together. Yay! But <laughs> as, as long as he stays on the objective, that's fine. <laughs> so anyways, but but for me, that's what lore brings to a game. And and Brian, what does what does lore bring to the game for you, Bray? I just want to say something to Matt. If I stick to the objective, how am I going to get those sweet, sweet achievements? Uh, I mean, if you're playing a healer and everybody's on the objective, like for if you play Mercy and everybody dies around the objective, you can get that five res easy. Ooh, I do like, that. I, I love the it. Your achievements, like stay on the wall for a certain amount of time and stuff like uh, that. Well, I mean, you've got you've got the internal maps. You can lose you can Lucio around on the on one of the Nepal maps. No problem. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I, before we wrap up, I want to share one little thing. Super Mario Brothers had more lore than anybody knows of. If you actually read the manual back in the day, one of the thi- one of the obscure pieces of lore of Super Mario Brothers is that when Koopa took over the Mushroom Kingdom, he turned all the toads into bricks. So when you're going around in the game breaking bricks, you're killing citizens of Mushroom Kingdom. Oh, Wait, no! really? Uh huh. Cannon. Uh, they well, they mm. eventually like kind of took like retconned it and took the, took it out of the lore. But yeah, in the first Super Mario Brothers game, that was part of the manual. Wow, that's jeez. It was almost like the designers and the person who wrote that's the lore dark. didn't have much communication. I think that kind of thing is kind of neat. But as far as lore enhancing a game, it really depends on what kind of game you're playing. When you play a board game like Monopoly, you don't really give a shit about what the lore is. I mean, you have a basic setting for the game. You kind of know that you're supposed to be tycoons buying things, but it doesn't really matter. Your rise to power and your fortune behind it doesn't it doesn't enhance the experience. The the point of the game is destroying your your family relationships and your friends and and crushing them beneath your heel. And that has nothing to do with the lore. So it really depends on the style of game. Like a game like Fallout wouldn't be anything without the lore. You wouldn't have a playable game. A game like a role-playing, any role-playing game has to have lore. There's no such thing as a loreless role-playing game. Even lampooning role-playing games like Magicka have lore. Really? Oh my gosh, I love Magicka. Oh, the best, the best was just killing our friends with lightning bolts over and over again. Yeah, Magicka, <sighs> Magicka exists in a world that makes fun of role-playing games, but it has a story. It's it has got that, yeah. It has it a has... story that makes fun of lore, but it mm-hmm. has a story. And it's got history behind it. You've got your, you've got the the people that originally did magic. You've got the way that the the college or whatever was founded, and and you're on an adventure for a reason. It's not just go out there because you're a wizard. So yeah, even, yeah, even in a even in a satirical sense, it's it's lore still can help build the world and make your and, game good. You know, even sports games have lore. They have lore based on whatever sport you're playing. That's maybe real things, but that game wouldn't work without the story but i mean you can have a game without lore the original computer game pong didn't have lore behind it other than you're in competition with someone the left the left side isn't trying to avenge its brother's death (laughs) but i want (laughs) to i want to play that game (laughs) battle pong revenge of the left oh my god like when you talk about like 
the difference between a game like the old 80s game Breakout, where you have a little paddle that goes back and forth and you're breaking bricks, and then the arcade game Arkanoid, which is exactly the same game, but has some sci-fi lore behind it, I would pick Arkanoid over Breakout. I think I think it just makes it more fun. It just it yeah. just in, gets you invested in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can go all the way back to the history of the games. And with with board games or with video games, a lot of the ways they make bla- they make more exciting games is by taking a bland thing and adding lore to it. And we we talked about that like with Super Meat Boy. Okay, so I gotcha. We weren't able to figure out a movie that someone hasn't seen. No, no, Matt Matt had not seen Forrest Gump. Matt hasn't seen Forrest Gump. He has not. Matt Matt has not seen Forrest Gump. No. Oh God. Can I take this? Yes. You okay? Yes. So the way we do this is we're it's like you're looking at the back of the DVD cover and it's a very very poor description of the movie. Oh, this ought to be good. So, Forrest Gump is about a very uh, a low developmentally challenged man who stumbles through history and then eventually gets raped by his best friend. And this th- and this is like a family movie? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it wholesome. Is. Oh, okay. And eventually gets raped by his best friend. And um, then um, she gets AIDS and then dies. And, and leaves him with a kid yep. that came from him being raped. Yep. Mm, this sounds like a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Kubrick does Forrest Gump. Oh, man. Where's that remake, Hollywood? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. One of Tom Hanks' best performances. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great movie. That's for sure. I really, I mean. It's the most graphic rape scene I've ever seen in a movie. And it was was pretty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Going to watch Forrest Gump now, Matt? I think I have to after that just to see how bad of a description it was. And if it wasn't (laughs) bad, I'm going to be like, "Mm, my opinion on this particular movie has changed. (laughs) Oh, no. No, he's right. He stumbled. It's a. A. Developmentally challenged man stumbling through history, like big spots of history. You're like, what the fuck? Huh. Yeah. So, so run for us, run now has a completely different connotation. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Exactly. You gotta watch it, man. It's it's a good movie. So, so all right, Matt, you are a you are a buddy of the podcast. Do you have anything you want to plug or or any kind of social media presence you want to share? Uh, well, I, I guess I can. I don't really do social media a lot. I do have a Twitter, so I, I rarely tweet. I retweet some, some funny stuff that I like, but I rarely tweet. If you feel like adding one to your follower account without really adding any clutter to your timeline, you can follow it at curbstomp70, K-O-E-R-B-S-T-O-M-P-7-0. I occasionally stream on Twitch. I stream Hearthstone. I'll stream that more. Yeah, that's well, now that I have a a standard nine to five job and I've kind of fallen fallen into a routine, I can stream in the evening. So Twitch TV slash Curbstomp 70. And I have about a whopping three two minute videos on YouTube of my friends and I dicking around in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which may or may not increase in number depending on the upcoming weeks if we if we have anything funny to post. But it's again, uh, just well, search. Yeah. Don't knock your social media because you may not participate on Twitter, but we may have a listener who liked what you had to say and wants to follow you on Twitter so they can send you a tweet and say, hey, I like that, too. Let's talk. Well, hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah. If there's if there's anybody out there that 
that that set, that thinks that knock yourself out. That would be that would be awesome. And then who knows if if I'm on more or if I get a chance to stream a little bit more, I will probably use social media more. I do not have a Facebook though. So if you find anybody else on Facebook using my name, it's not me. If you want to reach us, um, you can do so on the Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page. You can also support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon now. That's a great place to um, support our podcast for a dollar a month. It's just a quarter a podcast, a quarter an episode. You can make us better. And if you donate three dollars a month, you get bonus episodes every week. Yay! You get to hear I mean, us talk about even more random shit. This I mean, is I actually think, laid out. Yeah. <laughs> this. I think this. That's worth one less Starbucks a month. Exactly. One less <laughs> Starbucks a month. I love it, Matt. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. If you want to talk to us directly, you can reach us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, and anthony at com or on Twitter at supervegan at nerdcastermike, at nerdcastradio, at nerdcursysmurf, oh no, not nerd, Mm-mm. at cursysmurf erica. Um, please review us on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on Facebook. We appreciate any reviews you post. So that is our episode today. We had a fantastic discussion about lore. This seems like it's a good topic that we could probably come back to a whole bunch of times. And thank you so much for being with us, Matt. It was great to have you. We'll be happy to have you back sometime in the future. I appreciate it. It was a ton of fun. Actually, a really good uh, discussion on there. And uh, again, I do think that this is one that you could probably have about five or six episodes. Oh, yeah. Depending on who you talk to. So when we have like we didn't have Anthony today, so he would have wanted to talk about Warhammer 40K. Mm hmm. And Michael would have wanted to talk about Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lore, so, lore means something different to everybody. So depending yeah. on who you have, you can have a lot of good conversations about it. Yep. I think this is only one we'll have several episodes for. So everybody, that was Nerd Podcast Radio. I have been your host, Super Vegan Brian. I was also joined by Kersey Smurf Erica. No, sir. I don't like it. And Senor Matt Corbell. I thought it was Corable. Senor Corable. Insert catchphrase here. this has been nerd podcast radio stay informed stay nerdy and stay awesome bye bye. here erica cut him off all right